Do you have numbness and you just can't get to the cause of it? Is it in your finger or your elbow or your forearm and you just can't figure out where it's coming from? Well, today's episode is for you. We're talking about thoracic outlet syndrome, compression through the front of the chest. We're talking about what if you hit it on a hold? What if it's a focal trauma? And we're also talking about the other places it could be coming from, like the top of the forearm or supinator syndrome. My friend, today is all about numbness. Welcome to Unsprained. I'm Dr. Lisa Erickson Brin, past medical for USA Climbing and a climbing specific medical provider. Do you currently suffer from a finger that is acting up again and again, or an injury that you just can't seem to get over? Well, join the crowd. There are so many of us, and I say us as well because I've also been there. I'm excited to help you with simple, actionable steps, downloadables, and things you can read as well as watch that are going to completely transform your self-care, your training, and add many, many more years to your climbing. I'm excited you've joined me. Let's get started. Welcome back to Unsprained. I'm Dr. Lisa Brin. And this week, the universe has been sending me many, many numbness patients. And so I apologize. I am going to cover it in depth today with a focus on why might you want to think about numbness and self-care and what can we learn from other people's injuries and rehabilitation strategies. So for the past week or two, my office has been inundated with clients that have numbness and tingling in the legs or the hands, um, perhaps down the back of the arm or just into the fingers, into the thumb. And so I thought, The universe is asking for something, right? So what a wonderful way to get started this week. So for numbness, especially in rock climbers, we start to look at the nerves of the finger. And these nerves come all the way down through the wrist, through the elbow, through the forearm, through the shoulder, from the neck. So it's kind of a complicated situation. But the most common injuries that we see for rock climbers are impact and trauma injuries. So what that would look like would be a focal nerve issue right after an impact. So say you smacked your finger on a hold and that sharp edge of the hold pressed right into the side of your finger and then you had finger numbness for the rest of the day or perhaps a couple weeks or a couple months after that trauma. And that is something that is very common for us as climbers, these little teeny tiny regions that just sustain too many injuries and what can we learn about it? So in regard to nerves, nerves grow very slowly and most nerve injuries can heal. Nerves outside of the spine will regrow unless we've had a major um, trauma to that nerve where it grows in the wrong direction. Um, Nerves within the spine those nerves don't regrow the same. So when we're talking about fingers and focal impact trauma injuries, hopefully those nerves, depending on if it was a slice injury or just a blunt impact or perhaps swelling from from just the trauma of having whacked it on something, these nerves could take months or even years to regrow. And it is common to have nerves regrow that they are more sensitive afterwards or perhaps not as sensitive afterwards. So that's something that we should delve into is helping these nerves to regrow and what we can do 
to help them. And one of the philosophies is collateral innervation. And that is where a nerve has been injured and that nerve may or may not grow back. And we are training the nearby nerve. We're actually calling to it and asking it to grow into the area of damage. And so let's step back and do some imaging for a bit or imagery. Imagine a big, beautiful tree. And this tree is in a strand of trees. There's a few other trees growing around it. And we start to notice that the tree is becoming, um, the leaves are turning yellow and then they're falling off and then it's looking dead. And all the other trees around it look just fine. Well, if we were to look deep down in the roots of that tree, the area that those roots go into, let's, uh, Imagine that that is your skin now and that the tree is a nerve and the area that the roots go into give you all the sensory and also the muscle, uh, the muscle control for what you are doing in that region. We can actually get the roots of the nearby nerve, the, 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 the distal deep roots to grow into that area. And we found that that works very nicely with recruiting it, with stimulating it with topicals and sensory stimulants that you can actually rub onto the skin. So just simply putting tiger balm onto an area or icy hot or vigorously rubbing it and trying to feel it with your fingers, um, those different uh, techniques are ways of getting the nerve to, or, or any sort of nerve to grow into the area of numbness. So let's talk about different ways that nerves can be injured besides impact and trauma, right? Hitting it on a hold. Sometimes we can injure something without impacting it on, say, a climbing hold. So I love to use client examples uh, in this podcast. So one would be, I have a client who is now healed, but she had injured herself with gardening shears and her her thumb was completely numb. It had been that way for a couple weeks. And what had happened was she is left-handed and she had used a pair of gardening shears that are right-handed and she had flipped them and used them in the left hand. And there was a very sharp edge or what we'll just say a very um, aggressive edge on the plastic of those shears that pressed right into one of the nerves of her finger, a superficial nerve that's just for skin sensory. So for her, she had caught a bit of caused a bit of damage from using those shears aggressively through the weekend and into the next week, and that nerve has been damaged. So when we start to look under the skin, we can think of that damage as perhaps an abrasion or a rub mark on that nerve. We can also imagine it as damage to the tissue itself around the nerve, such as a bruise or perhaps a blister over the top of it in the superficial tissue that causes swelling and inflammation. And nerve uh, injuries or nerves not working as they should could very well be from inflammation or chemical irritation from swelling and inflammatory byproducts in the skin. It doesn't have to be because that nerve is absolutely damaged. So it is very common that when a patient or a client starts having numbness and tingling or a decrease of sensation or perhaps an overly sensitive area, that could be very scary and nerve wracking for you. So nerve wracking, huh? So, um, 
don't freak out. This is something that we do see. We see it often, hopefully not that often, but for some reason, since all the nerve clients are coming to me this week, I hoped I'd put a podcast out and reach the rest of you guys. So if a nerve is irritated, it could be swelling, could be inflammation. It does not have to be that that nerve has been damaged and that it's going to take months or years to regrow. So We can increase the recruitment of that nerve to grow back by putting sensory topicals and stimulants onto the patch of skin that that nerve goes to. Um, Different topics of things that could cause a nerve injury. Say you have your climber's tape on way too tight. That could be an irritator. It builds up swelling within the finger and that can give you a Um, numbness or a tingling or a sense of dullness or deadness in the finger. I have seen lots and lots of nerve injuries from day-to-day things that you guys do. So really stepping back and looking at what you're mechanically loading into that area routinely or repetitively, and it may not be sport related. So I'm thinking of perhaps the edge of a pencil, the edge of your phone, perhaps something you hold onto that's sharp. So All of that trauma, a little bit of load over time, day in, day out, especially if your fingers are inflamed and irritated from using them for sports, these are things that will possibly give you nerve inflammation, irritation, and puffiness. And so when we're looking at a nerve on an ultrasound, because we have the coolest ultrasounds out there now, we can actually look and see where is a nerve being compressed? Where could a nerve be inflamed? And nerves actually even though they are electrical structures, right? They have a good bit of fluid in them still. So when we're looking for perhaps a nerve being compressed, could be compressed by a muscle or inflammation or an injury, um, we can actually see where the nerve is compressed because the shape of the nerve changes and it becomes more puffy and irritated below the injury. So for those of you that haven't exactly had specific impact or trauma, but you are noticing numbness or tingling or nerve issues in your fingers or in your hands, this is something that we definitely want to get to the bottom of. Um, It could be that we need to pad over where that nerve goes if if you have lots of rubbing or irritation through the wrist. Um, There are also a number of other syndromes we'll get into later in this podcast that can cause nerve symptoms. And in climbers, a supernator syndrome is one of those. We have two muscles on the top of our forearm that rotate palm up and palm down. And so these muscles, there's actually a nerve that goes right through them that can give you numbness into your thumb and first finger. So that is supinator syndrome. Um, another numbness syndrome we see commonly in rock climbers is thoracic outlet syndrome. And that's just a fancy name for your nerves to your fingers and hand are being entrapped or compressed somewhere through the chest region. So under, underneath your clavicle, um, through, uh, underneath the, the front of your pec muscle or somewhere through the front of your chest as it exits the neck. And then lastly, that that I see most commonly, but not commonly in rock climbers, are disc bulges or issues where the nerve comes out of the spine, uh, focal to the spine. So when we start talking numbness and tingling in the fingers, we start to ask the question of where is this coming from? 
And I love if you guys can tell me that, hey, I just had an impact, I just had a trauma, and this nerve issue is very focal to or or distal to this impact site, then it is likely local and likely something that is, I'm not going to say an easy fix, but we, we can diagnose where it's coming from and give you homework based on that. So some nerves cannot regrow and, and those nerves being in the spine, if it's being pinched or compressed as it exits the spine uh, versus a th- versus thoracic outlet syndrome, this is where we're going to be having our PT or our MD or our DO or our chiropractor help us figure out exactly where it's coming from, order the right imaging to make sure that we know where it's coming from, and then developing a game plan for care to um, unravel whatever's compressing the nerve and try to get the swelling and the mechanics of that area as streamlined as possible, right? So The question with nerve damage is, is this something that we can heal all the way back to normal? Or is this something we have to manage? And manage meaning that we have specific home care that you now need to do to keep it from getting worse. Or we have specific precautions that we we want you to do, such as holding yourself in a better posture or staying out of these provoking um, hold positions or climbing positions. styles. So depending upon what is causing the numbness, we get into that. But the the beautiful thing with climbers is it most commonly for you guys is very focal to something that happened, a trauma in the finger. So nine times out of 10, I, if you have numbness in your finger, it could be after a major injury, like even a pulley rupture, For some of you guys, you get a lot of swelling and that swelling can compress or irritate that nerve. Another example is a client that I saw um, with USA Climbing at a comp in Madison. A gal had a cyst in her finger that popped and she had a big blue bruise now from it and that bubbly cyst was gone. However, now she had some finger numbness and Of course, we were all entirely freaked out when there's blue in the finger and there's numbness and we're wondering if it is a compartment syndrome where there somehow is too much pressure in that finger and that can cause nerve damage. So that's also something that if this is right after trauma is definitely worth talking about and making sure that we're not making the wrong decision. So um, compartment syndrome is a very big hot button in sports medicine because it is something that requires immediate attention. And so an example of a client that would have compartment syndrome would be someone who smacks their shin aggressively on, uh, either a hold or, um, some, some sort of a stone sharp edge, or even like a cleat, say someone playing soccer gets kicked in the shin is one of the most common causes of uh, of compartment syndrome. And what we see is the compartments or the, the, the sheath that, that encompasses or, um, covers an area, so much pressure can build up in this area from swelling and fluid that it can actually cause damage to the nerve. And we don't want that damage to be um, a long-term unfixable thing. So compartment syndrome is always a big hot button. And those are the lead-ups to to what would cause that. But um, assist popping that is something that can give you numbness. If there's too much swelling, a pulley rupturing, that is the most common cause that I see in the finger besides you guys impacting it on a hold or a specific trauma where you 
Well, you know what you get into out there um, climbing outdoors for sure. Sometimes we can see numbness after like a foosh injury, which is a fall on an outstretched hand. That is something that if you're having numbness into the fingers or into the hand, we want to get checked out. Um, for those of you that spend a lot of time loading into the bottom of the wrist or the underside of the hand, so if you are a climber but you're also a cyclist or you also do parkour or you also spend an awful lot of time as a yogi or a pressure into the base of the palm, the base of the wrist, that's where the carpal tunnel is. There's an awful lot of nerves that go through that area. Um, there's also a Guillain's tunnel through there for the ulnar nerve. And for those clients, we want to think about unloading those nerve tunnels so we can add padding into those regions. And that's something we could do like a padded glove or changing how you hold your hand as you load. And so those are some different thoughts for people that have a numbness or tingling after actually loading the wrist, we can get you into a nice raised arch through the wrist. So instead of pancaking, collapsing your hand, we can practice holding that arch up and loading with a nice wrist arch that comes from Pilates. Um, we can also pad with some nice cycling gloves, like top of the line cycling gloves. We'll have these cutout sections for your median nerve through the hand, radial nerve, and then also um, for your ulnar nerve. So that is something if, if we're having palm, um, you load the palm and you're having numbness of the hand or fingers afterwards, that's something that has its whole set of self-care and rehab. And I'm happy to walk you through that. So is your local PT. Um, let's see here. I'm just kind of going through my list to make sure I don't miss anything um, icing. A lot of you guys have questions on if you did have an impact or a trauma in the finger, should you be icing it? How do you unload it, right? Should you keep climbing on it? Should you have continued use of this area? And these are excellent questions. So icing is something that is could be dangerous in your delicate finger. The the arteries and veins are on the sides of your finger. So they're actually in the web between your fingers and they run down the sides of your fingers. So the side that you have your nail is the back of the finger. So they run on the sides and that is an area that you can ice, but the tissues are very, very delicate. So I'd rather have you do cold water immersion instead of icing. Um, compression also works very well. There's been many studies that compression compared with icing does roughly the same thing. So in an area such as a finger that we're worried about damaging it with too much ice, I would rather have you using some gentle kinesio tape or some Coban, or there's different things on the market that is a very light compression. And whenever we're compressing the finger, we always want to make sure that we are getting blood flow into the finger to the tip. So we do a squeeze on the fingertip and we look for how quickly does your blood flow come back to the tip of your finger. And if it's taken more than 10 seconds, then you might want to lighten up your compression just a little bit. So unloading the finger, if you are having, so if you've had a major impact or trauma and you're having swelling and you're having numbness afterwards, I think it's safe to say that you should probably unload it and just take a little bit of time off with it. Some of us, um, 
it's such an aggressive trauma that's very minimal. Like say you fall on skis and you don't have gloves and you grate your hand down the surface of the snow. Um, I've done this in the summer with spring skiing as an example. And having fallen and slid a bit, my fingertips are numb for a good five to 10 minutes. And looking at them, I haven't caused any damage, but the snow was so cold and it was such an aggressive stimulus to it that that is something that can give you numbness. And, and in that example, that's something you can absolutely keep using your hands and fingers with because it didn't cause damage or trauma. So if you are actually having cuts into the fingers or we're worried about a pulley rupture or a cyst having popped um, is for you deciding whether you should end your climbing session, I would probably say, yes, let's end it and see how your body responds after three or four days off with with a load to the fingers, um, are we noticing symptoms or, you know, where are we as for how bad of a trauma and acute injury was this? So in regards to other numbness syndromes, we have pretty much hit, hit up impact and trauma as for can the nerve regrow and, uh, that, that theory of collateral innervation that if you have damage, a little tiny nerve in your finger, don't freak out because you can get another nerve to slowly start growing towards it. And we've hit that idea of, of recruitment that another nerve can grow toward it, towards it with sensory stimulants like tiger balm or icy hot, that type of stuff. Um, and then really watching what you smacked your finger on or, or what repetitive load, if we can't quite figure out where the numbness is coming from, that's the, the diagnosis part of that is very important as to where is the numbness coming from and finger and hand numbness, if it is a large region. So if it's not just below a site of impact, if it's a large region, like your outer two fingers, right? Your ring finger and your pinky finger, or if it is your first finger and your thumb or plus or minus your middle finger, um, if we're having numbness up into the forearm or up above the elbow, we start to think that that is coming from further up and all of those scenarios do need to be evaluated. So when we start to freak out as for, is this numbness going to be permanent? The general rule of thumb with numbness is that if you have constant, constant numbness and it la- it's lasted for longer than a year, then that is permanent. So when we start talking about when to start physical therapy and you know how aggressive do we need to be with your numbness patterns, if you're just noticing a little bit of numbness here and there and it is very short in duration and you're not having that much frequency to it, so you notice it once a week or once a month, I would not worry at all. But if you're starting to notice it a couple minutes a day or every morning when you wake up or it it starts to become part of your routine, then this is something that we need to look into because one, we don't want it to be permanent, but two, we also want to make sure that this is not something that is slowly getting worse, that we could stop, right? And the discussion is, is this something we can fix all the way or is this something that we have to manage? And so the longer you've had a problem, the more it starts to become a management case and we start to discuss that it becomes very hard to fix nerve entrapment that's gone on for too long. And I don't want you to fall in that, that basket of, of people that has waited too long for it. So it could very well be that we just need to change your posture and change how you hold yourself in order to unload those nerves. So, um, I had a client in my office yesterday and, uh, she uses her hands for work. 
Uh, she used to be a climber, but now with all the numbness and the pain, she is backed off and all of her muscles disappearing. And for me, watching her sit, I can definitely see that where she's impacting her injured regions. And so the discussion becomes, we need to build up your postural stabilizers, get you upright so we can unload these nerves. And then we need to start building back your muscle tone to support and stabilize you because her slouch, her rounded shoulders, her compression through the front of the chest is actually what's causing her numbness and tingling. Hers is coming from what we call thoracic outlet syndrome. And I see this a lot in climbers. So as a present for this podcast, I am going to have a free download on the website. So if you go to the show notes for this podcast, you'll be able to download it. But it will be a few exercises that are focused on making the thoracic spine mobile, stretching through the front of the chest, front of the neck, just in case it is thoracic outlet syndrome, because we see a lot of that. And again, thoracic outlet syndrome is kind of a mouthful when you say it, but it means that there's some compression of the nerve. It could be muscular. It could be, um, a a ligament pressing into the nerve, but we see with climbers, our traps get too tight. Our, our upper back gets too rigid and our pecs get very shortened and contracted. So we end up in this rounded, um, rolled forward shoulder position that can absolutely wreak havoc on some anatomical body types. So my present is there waiting for you. Um, it is, it, it's a med bridge. So you can actually log in and you can print off the PDF and you can look at all the exercises and it's up for 30 days. So from today's dates, the login will be good. And then, and today is September 9th, 2022. Um, the login will be good. And then on my website, I will have a download of the PDF. So you will no longer be able to access the videos, but you will have access to the exercises and it gives you how many how often, exactly how to do them. And then at the very bottom of the PDF, it gives you a list, um, almost like your training log for the week that you can go through and see, I do 10 of these, you know, every other day and here's all your exercises. So that's just an example protocol I have in my office for something for, for a client with thoracic outlet syndrome. And that is safe for anyone that has a neck injury or someone that has the numbness is not coming from there. It can only help. So, and that is for thoracic outlet syndrome. So definitely go to show notes and download that for you. So a lot of you guys are going to want to know, how do I tell if my numbness is local or right in my finger, or if it is coming from my upper shoulder region? And the answer is this that is a complicated question, but usually we have you guys come into the office without things numb and tingly. And then we do a bunch of tests to see if we can provoke it. So if you have a finger that is numb or tingly already, then that is hard to do the test because we won't be able to say, well, it wasn't numb before I did this test. And then you had numbness afterwards. So then we start poking around to see what is tight, what is loading into that area. And we start looking for normal and abnormal. And so with my clients over uh, Skype and Zoom, um, d- debating whether it's coming from the neck or if it's coming from the shoulder, we can have you sit on a chair and do some rotational exercises and do some motion-based compression 
um, into the neck and into that shoulder to see which one it's coming from. There's also a great test where you can lean on your elbows onto a table. So you're leaning forward on your elbows and then you relax and shrug up and let all your weight go into your shoulder girdle. And if that causes numbness and tingling, that is one that absolutely is a thoracic outlet syndrome, a positive test. So we really like to, when we're doing our tests, we like to be very focal to one region. So we'll just test the elbow or we'll just test through the front of your chest or we'll focus on the neck only. And we try not to pair them together, testing both regions at the same time, because then we can't tell where it's coming from. So once we get the positive tests as to what exacerbates it, then we give you a bunch of home care focused in that region. And the goal is to have your positive symptoms, so the numbness or the tingling, to occur later and later in the test or to a lesser degree. So, and also during your daily activities. So are you getting better from your care, from your home care, from your rehab, or from you avoiding that pen at work or that, that edge, that sharp edge on your desk, our modifications we're making, you'll know you're getting better because your numbness and tingling will be less frequent or when you feel it, it'll be less severe. So that's why I love logbooks for all of you guys to keep track of when do I notice it, what time of day it is, what have I been doing, and also what position was I in. So say I just woke up, what was was I laying on my side, was I laying on my back, and then where were my arms? Were they curled up over my chest? Were they up above my head? Um, those different direct directives, and that way we can understand where is it coming from. So just a little uh, view into the background for us as sports medicine providers is diagnosing where it come, where it's coming from. And that takes years to learn, but it is fun to try to teach my clients how to do it at the same time. But often we work together to solve these. So diagnosing thoracic outlet syndrome versus a disc bulge or something going on in the neck, we'll often have a PT or a DC Um, or a DO look at that. And we're evaluating your neck versus your shoulder versus your elbow. So we're breaking up each region to see where we think it's coming from. All right. So, oh yeah. And I I wanted to make sure that I mentioned this because I think it's very important. Often when we have something, we ask all of our friends if they have it. And if they do, we start to almost wear their their symptoms as a coat. We, we imagine that we are them and we do the exact same treatment plan and we wrap ourselves up with their results, right? What was your diagnosis? How did you heal? How did they treat it? And if they have surgery, we think we need surgery, right? Or if they're still numb afterwards, we think that we're gonna have the same outcome regardless of our rehab. And I just want to remind you that you are not your climbing buddy and you're not your brother, you're not your dad and your symptoms are very specific to you, right? Your impact, your trauma or your addiction to your laptop or, or that, that fall you took on skis. And most of these numbness tingling scenarios are totally irrelevant as for if your dad has them or if your brother has them. There is some correlation. There is a genetic correlation of if you're more likely to have carpal tunnel or if you're more likely to have thoracic outlet syndrome. But 
a lot of a lot of the research we're learning is that perhaps your your climbing buddy or your brother is also a sloucher. Perhaps your dad is has the same muscular build that you do and is predisposed to the same nerve entrapment that, that you are. But that doesn't mean that you're going to need all the surgeries that that they may or may have or may not have had because PT and rehab has come a long way since. Um, often what our relatives have gone through with their surgeries. So have hope with that. Um, I have seen clients have better um, and less nerve symptoms if they go and talk to their doctor about muscle relaxants and nerve type pain pills. But often we really need to figure out where it's coming from. If it's something that needs to be padded or change the the outcome of, of your symptoms by changing muscle tones or your body positioning or your daily habits, we always hit that first. So self-care, super, super important. So let's see. For So if you have thoracic outlet syndrome or if you're worried you do, so if your nerve symptoms could be coming from the front of your shoulder, we start to look at three areas that you want to work on for your self-care. And those three areas are the scalenes that live on the front of your neck. And the scalenes go from your neck to your ribs. So your first three ribs, and they help you to take deep breaths. So if you're pushing yourself really hard or you are just working to the edge of exhaustion, um, I do see scalene contracture or tightness and the nerves of your neck come right out between your scalene muscles. You have three of them, the anterior scalene, the middle scalene, and the posterior scalene. And when they're tight, they can compress your nerves. So that's one place to start. And some of you guys, I highly recommend just going and getting a massage and having your massage therapist dig around and they can compare your injured side to your uninjured side, right? What's the muscle tone? How are your ribs sitting? How, uh, what does the architecture of the tissue under the skin feel like? And they can give you very real feedback on what to work on. So scalenes are perfect for self-care, your musculature of your shoulders. So levator scap, the trap on the top of your top of your shoulder, and then also getting into the front of your chest, your pec muscles. There are some really little small muscles that live in the front of the chest that we need to soften if you're having nerve um, entrapment or compression through the front of the chest, which again is called thoracic outlet syndrome or TOS. So again, if that's you, I have my free download on my website and it focuses on thoracic mobility um, for neck pain or for, uh, the toss syndrome. So, all right. So that's it for today's episode. What are you thinking? What would you like to hear more about? And what did I go on about that you could care less about, right? I really want to custom tailor my podcast for those of you that are listening. So today I'm putting out a call for questions. The first five of you that give me feedback on what do you want to hear more of? What do you hate? What do you want to hear less about, right? Like what if I say too many ums or you don't like the direction of how the podcast goes? Please give me feedback. And the first five of you get my ebook, Climbing Injuries Solved, absolutely free. And if you already have it, then the next book that I'm writing, you'll get that one, okay? So Um, the first five of you that give me feedback, I will respond back and let you know that you were one of the first five and I will hook you up with, with my ebook. So you can either shoot it over through my website or you can text me 
or you can even shoot me an email. So my email is return to climbing at gmail.com, or you can email me personally, Dr. Lisa Brin DC, like dog cat at gmail.com, or you can log on my website, which is climbinginjuriesolved.com. So I would love feedback. Thank you so much. I appreciate you listening and I can't wait to share what I have coming with you next week, but shh, it's a secret. Bye guys. If you're stuck in your self-care and you do not have a local doctor who specializes in climbing injuries, I'm happy to help you virtually through my clinic. You can book yourself in at climbinginjuriesolved.com and I will meet with you virtually where you can point to your injury. I'll lead you through steps of how to load it and we'll go through the in and outs of everything you do in your daily routine, in your climbing and in your self-care to make sure that this absolutely heals up and your injury risks of having it happen again are down towards zero. Book yourself in at climbinginjuriesolve.com and click a new patient visit. And if you have x-rays, MRIs, or if you want to know what's going on in there and want them to be ordered, this is the perfect next step. But also, if you're happy working through it on your own, I have plenty of free material through my website, YouTube videos, The Climbing Doc, and I'm just honored you're listening. I hope you share my episode if you find it to have been helpful. And thank you so much for joining me. Have a beautiful day.